Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. Performance USA, the greatest entertainers in America, as requested by you, the fighting men of the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command Performance! Presented this week and every week till it's over, over there. Hello there, men. Here's that show of yours again, Command Performance, coming this time from Hollywood, USA. Tonight's the first, well, the first letter A mailed itself from the Canal Zone, and it's signed by the Panama Jungleer, and it says... Just mention us guys at Howard Field, will you? And how's about an earful of our favorite movie star, Miss Jean Tierney? Your wish is the entertainment industry's command, fella, and here she is, glamorous, gorgeous Jean Tierney. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Douglas, and greetings to the finest fighting men in the world. The talent appearing here tonight makes the studio look like the lobby of the Chinese theater, with all the footprints filled. So here we go. First, for a fellow who never expected to wind up in Panama when he saw the Broadway hit Panama Hattie last year, we present the young lady who stole his heart in that show, and who is now one of the season's outstanding successes here in Hollywood, Miss Betty Hutton. Life was so peaceful at the laundry Life was so calm and serene Life was tragic Till that unlucky day I happened to read that magazine Why did I read that advertisement? When it said, since I rumba, Jim thinks I'm sublime. Why, oh, why did I ever try when I didn't have the talent? Show me the groundwork, the walk around work, and told me to take it from there. Arthur Murray then advised me not to worry. It would come out all right. To my way of thinking, it came out stinking. I don't know my left from my right. The people around me can all sing a one and a two and a three. But any resemblance to Walton, it's a just coincidental with me Cause Arthur Murray taught me dancing in a hurry And so I take a chance To me it resembles a nine-day tremble But he guarantees it's a dance My tango resembles a two-step Marumba makes people turn pale The conga goes into a goose step Till the FBI is a 
dog on my trail Cause Arthur Murray taught me dancing in a hurry Maybe the stars were wrong If I ain't a menace to rule St. Dennis I'll do it till one comes along A turkey trot or gavotte I don't know which, I don't know what Jitterbug, bunny hug Long as you cut a rug Pump the dog, do the clock Lanny, hop to your drop Ball the jack, back to back Cheek to cheek to your week Thank you, Miss Betty Hutton. Each week, Command Performance brings to the armed forces the latest sports news, hot from where it happened. Tonight, our sportscaster is the man who was America's unanimous choice to play the part of the late Lou Gehrig, and his life story now being produced here in Hollywood. I give you the Academy Award winner of this year, one of the world's finest fellows any year, Gary Cooper. Thank you, Gene Tierney, and hello, fellas. The big talk in sports today is the opening of the Major League Ball season. Being privileged as I am to play the part of the immortal Lou Gehrig in the new picture, The Pride of the Yankees, you'd expect me to hand the 1942 American League pennant to the New York team. Well, I won't disappoint you. Bill Dickey felt the same way about it when we talked together on the uh, Lou Gehrig picture. Now, Dickey's out to catch 100 games for the 14th consecutive year. Quite a record for a kid like Bill. Of course, as you know, there's a shortage of kids in Major League Bowl this year, and more than one old-timer is trying to work the kinks out of his legs for a comeback. For a while, I wouldn't have been surprised to see old Babe Ruth himself back in uniform. Right now, the Babe has taken his licks against a bullpen pitcher named Pneumonia, and from latest reports, is more than holding his own. Behind the Yankees in the American League, I'll take the White Sox. That is, if their sound locators pick up a hard-hitting outfielder. Now, they have the best pitching in the league, led by two aging but effective hurlers, Thornton Lee and Ted Lyons. For third, I'll take Boston. Fourth, Detroit. And fifth, the Cleveland Indians. The Indians don't have much of a team left, but the Cleveland fans must chuckle to themselves when they think of a Jap facing a hand grenade tossed by rapid Robert Feller. In the National League, let's pick the St. Louis Cardinals. Command performance is not heard in the USA so I'm out of reach of any pop bottles that any loyal Dodger fans might heave at me. Besides, we're saving glass these days. After the Cards and the Dodgers, I like the Reds and the Cubs for third and fourth. What's left, you fellas rate for yourselves. And however it goes, just remember this, fellas. As Private Joe Lewis puts it, your team can't lose because it's on God's side. And all of us back here are confident that when you boys get set in your positions and the axis comes up to bat, They'll go down, brother. One, two, three. Our thanks to Gary Cooper. And welcome to this letter from a Red Cross nurse somewhere in Australia. Dear Command Performance, before leaving the States, I heard Arthur Q. Bryan on the Jack Benny Show. The same Mr. Bryan who used to wow us on the Grouch Club. I think he'd be just what the doctor ordered for a couple of my patients. What say? 
We say if those patients of yours aren't in stitches already, they will be any minute. For here he is, Arthur Q. Bryant as Raymond Radcliffe, assisted by Paul Douglas. Greetings, soldiers, sailors, and marines. <laughs> and the pretty little nice in Australia who seemed to think I was what the doctor ordered. <laughs> Believe me, I'm certainly glad to find somebody in the service wants me. Well, what do you mean, Raymond? Why shouldn't somebody in the service want you? Oh, look me over, Mr. Douglas. Would you call this a fighting form? No, not exactly, <laughs> but... Surely there's some place you could fit into. Well, that's what they thought first at the recruiting office. So they placed me in the parachute troops. Parachute troops? Right. They sent me up in an airplane to practice parachute jumping. We got up to 11,000 feet and the pilot told me to jump. So I jumped. Yes? I counted 10 and then pulled the whipcord. You pulled the whipcord and floated like a bird to the ground. I pulled the whipcord and unraveled my wet flannel underwear. (laughs) Well, how about the anti-aircraft fire? Well, just as I began to feel the cold... The boys down below started to make it hot for me, and they opened fire on me. It was colossal. But didn't they know you were up there? Mr. Douglas, those boys take no chances. They're white on a job. I know that, but I don't get this idea. Mr. Douglas, they thought I was a wimp. Oh. (laughs) I suppose that ended your days with the parachute troops. That's correct. After that, I was put into the cavalry. Cavalry? Do you know anything about horses? Oh, that's a silly question. I know everything about horses. I suppose you were brought up on a ranch? I was brought up on Santa Anita Waste Quack. Oh, you mean you uh, played the horses? It was not play, Mr. Douglas. It was business. I had systems. Yes, I've heard of systems, and none of them ever fail, it says here. Well, I remember distinctly one system that I used. You may try it if you like. Well, I'm going into this with my eyes wide open. Uh, what was the system? Well, before I placed a bet on a horse, I worked at the track, I worked at the trainers, I worked at the jockeys, I worked at the horses, I worked at the weather, and I worked at the odds. And what happened? I got worked. I see what you mean. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe we'd better get back to your attempts to get into the service. I suppose you were kicked out of the cavalry. Literally, Mr. Douglas. Hmm. I think I see what you mean, Raymond. Well, was it my fault if the horse was swippery? The horse was swippery? Well, he must have been. I kept sliding off his wump. Mm, please. Well, all right, that ends the saga of Raymond Radcliffe and the army. Not on your wife. As soon as I was able to get off my feet again, they made me a messenger in the artillery. Finally, something you could do. Absolutely. But, Mr. Douglas, the very first time I delivered a message, I had trouble with a sentry. What happened? Well, Mr. Douglas, it was a dark night. Yeah. Black as pitch. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, I am confronted with a sentry. Yes? I am looking into the nozzle of a Springfield rifle. A rifle? What did you do? I said, hey, sentry, don't you know it isn't proper to point? What did the sentry do? He said, halt, advance, and give the order of the day. The order of the day? Did you give it? Absolutely. I said, two fried eggs, lamb chops, and French fried potatoes on a blue plate. <laughs> what about the sentry's rifle? What wasn't it say? loaded? I said, what about the sentry's rifle? Wasn't it loaded? Sure, but I wasn't afraid. Why? I was voted, too. Oh, no. (laughs) Thank you, Arthur Q. Bryan. Now for Private First Class L.J. in the land of the Shamrock and for Corporal M.J.S., now of the Canal Zone, but formerly known as the Jitterbug King of Tallahassee, Florida, the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy of Company B., very solidly sent by those three sweethearts of the armed forces, the Andrew Sisters. You 
was a famous trumpet man from out Chicago way. He had a boogie style that no one else could play. He was a top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, I'm blowing reveille. He's a boogie woogie bugle bar company B. They made him blow a bugle for his Uncle Sam. He really brought him down because he couldn't jam. The captain seemed to understand. Because the next day the cap went out and drafted a band. And now the company jumps when he plays reveille. He's a boogie woogie bugle bar company B. A toot, a toot, a toot, a toot, a toot. He blows an eight to the bar. In boogie rhythm, he can't blow a note. for assisting you and the other vocal artists tonight. Now, in response to a bevy of requests from every section of the world where Uncle Sam has armed forces, the incomparable Edgar Bergen and the incorrigible Charlie McCarthy. Uh, Mr. Bergen, I want to talk to you. Yes? It's, it's very important this time. Well, what is it, Charlie? It's, uh, it's about a slight touch. Oh, I see. A slight touch? Yeah. You mean you have a cold? No, no. Slight touch of 50 cents. Oh, I see. <laughs> Will you cough up? Oh, I see. <laughs> but, Charlie, you have no right to ask people for money unless you have been of service to them. Of service? Yes. Well? Well? Well, you've been working pretty steady lately, brother. I see. <laughs> Anyway, I'll do you a favor sometime. But, Charlie, your whole attitude towards money is wrong. Well, I guess it must be. I'm not getting any. <laughs> you mustn't expect to receive things for nothing. No? Now, I remember as a very young boy... Here we go, here we go. I learned that lesson from the story of Pied Piper. Pied Piper? Yes. You mean a plumber with a snootful? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Pied Piper of Hamlin. Oh, I see. Would you like to hear the story? No. Well, I'll tell you. Oh, we are in luck, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Let's humor him here. Yeah. Once upon a time... Oh, it has original beginning, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. In the little town of Hamlin, you see, this town was overrun with rodents. Rodents? Yes. Rodents. What's rodents? Oh, rats. Well, you don't have to get nasty. Well, no. <laughs> Now, the people of the village were at a loss as how to get rid of these pests. Uh-huh. So one summer day, their chance to stray. Oh, 
Oh, my, get him. Yes. A word weaver, a poet. Uh, do you press flowers, too? No, no. Ah, <laughs> uh, please, I don't want to be interrupted. No. A young man came to the village, and he was called Pied Piper. Uh, what did he do? All right. <laughs> well, he went to the mayor, and he said, I'll rid the town of rats for 1,000 guilders. Yeah. And the mayor said, I'll give you 50,000 guilders. That's all right. Yeah. But did he get it in writing? No. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> now, how's he going to get rid of the rats in the town? Well, I'll tell you. You see, around his neck, he carried a flute. Uh-huh. And he played weird music on this pipe, which would make the rats follow him. Is that so? Yes. They followed him? They did, yes. Uh-huh. They'll do the same thing for a piece of cheese. Well, no. <laughs> well... Pied Piper didn't need anything like that. I see. Probably the music was cheesy. Now, will you please? <laughs> and what did he play? I don't know. You don't know? It was some very strange melody. Uh-huh. Must have been a mousterpiece. Now, will you... <laughs> Probably the revel of the rodents. Now, young man, I can go on like this for hours, but you wouldn't like it. <laughs> I don't know what he played, but I do know that the rats followed him out of town and down to the river. And then the rats all jumped into the water and were drowned. Yeah? Yes. They were drowned? Yes, they were drowned. Why didn't they swim? Well, I don't know. You don't know? No. Why did they go in the water if they couldn't swim? Well, I don't know that. You don't know that? No. Maybe they'd rather drown than listen to the music, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's what it was. That's probably what it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, if they didn't like the music, why did they follow him? Well, I don't know. You don't know? No. It's a wonder you wouldn't get the facts to the story before you try to tell it. Oh. <laughs> All I know is that the rats followed him and they went in the water and they were drowned. Well, yes. I don't believe it. <laughs> you don't believe it? No. You don't believe it? No. But they did go in the water and they did drown. I don't believe it. Mm. <laughs> well, why don't you? I just got one of those nasty streaks, I guess. <laughs> I just can't explain it. I don't believe it. I see. You can lead a rat to water, but you can't make him sink. I see. <laughs> Nevertheless, when uh, the pie-eyed piper, I mean the pied piper... I think you were right the first time. <laughs> when he came back to Hamlin to collect his 1,000 guilders, what do you think the mayor said? I don't believe it. Now, stop that. <laughs> Well, anyway, the mayor said, I will give you 50 guilders after he'd already promised to give him 1,000. That was a dirty deal. Yes. That's a great discount for cash, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't fair, but Pied Piper got even with him. What did he do? Well, I'll tell you what he did. He played his pipe again, and this time all the children followed him, and, they, and he led him into a mountain. Into a mountain? Yes, yes. Well, the mountain mysteriously opened up, and then, and then after the children had entered, the mountain mysteriously closed again. Yeah. And the children were never heard from again. Is that so? Yes. And that is the story of Pied Piper. And about as dull a thing as I've ever listened to. <laughs> well, I don't say that it's a true story, but there is a moral to it. Yes, there is. Never do business on credit. <laughs> Orchids to Bergen and McCarthy. Here's a note from somewhere in the North Atlantic from Seaman First Class F.A.W., who is busy helping uphold the glorious traditions of the United States Coast Guard. 
He says he enjoys command performance each week, but that he'd enjoy it doubly if his favorite singer, Jenny Sims, would do a number just for him. Well, here she is, Miss Jenny Sims. Embrace me, my sweet embrace about you. Embrace me, my irreplaceable you. In your arms I find love so delectable, dear. I'm afraid it isn't quite respectable, dear. But hang it, come on, let's glorify love. Ding, dang it, I'll shout on glorify love. Don't be a naughty papa. Come to mama, come to mama, do my sweet embrace you. I've got a feeling I'm falling in love with you. at you, my heart grew tipsy in me. You and you alone bring out the gypsy in me. I love all those many charms about you. Above all, I want my arms about you. J.G.R., who plays nurse to one of those big guns in the Canal Zone Artillery Unit, and for Staff Sergeant B.R.K. in the Trinidad Air Force, the latest news from Van Buren, Arkansas, as delineated by that barnstorming buffoon, Bob Burns. Well, now, if any of you boys want to go out and take a smoke, why, I've just got a couple of words here for, to the boys down in Trinidad in the Canal Zone. And uh, you want to know how the folks are doing and what the folks are doing down in Van Buren? Well, I know you boys will be happy to know that the people down in Van Buren are all going in for this war work. They're really getting in there and doing their bit. 
My cousin Walford went to St. Louis to, to join the army, but they turned him down. Uh, they said he had flat feet and wouldn't be able to march. Uh, Walford felt awful bad about it after walking 400 miles to get there. <laughs> and uh, my, my Uncle Hod, my Uncle Hod tried to get in the Army. He's been trying for a long time. And just last week, he got word from the examining board saying his teeth are all right. Next week, he's going to report in person. <laughs> but now, you know, I believe, boys... I, I believe that, that the women folks down home are doing more than the men in this preparedness work, in this war work. My Aunt Peachy Sims, that's my old maid aunt, uh, she's been trying to raise money for the relief. Uh, all last week, she was working down at the Red Cross Auxiliary Woman's Bazaar. She was uh, auctioning off kisses at 10 cents apiece. And she liked the work so well, she put in over $40 of her own money. <laughs> and uh, my Aunt Peachy Sims, uh, uh, my Aunt Puny, uh, rather, that's my sickly aunt. Now, now she, she tried her best to get a job as a welder, but they told her she was too puny for that. And uh, so she finally, it just goes to show now that there's work here for everybody if they want to do something. Aunt Puny finally got a job with the Red Cross. She's posing for labels on iodine bottles. <laughs> now, Graham, I believe Grandma Stassi's doing the most. Now, Grandma said she had to have something a little bit more exciting, so uh, they made her a fire warden. And I want to tell you, she's just doing fine. Her very first night on duty, she found Grandpa fooling around with the incendiary blonde. <laughs> she said it looked like an old flame, so she put it out. <laughs> now, then, I noticed that you boys, both of you boys, ask about Uncle Fudd. Well, I know you're going to be disappointed to hear that Uncle Fudd ain't living in Arkansas anymore. He just couldn't make a dime. I don't blame him for moving. He couldn't make a dime on that crawfish land, and so he moved over into Oklahoma. And he pretty near starved to death over there. He thought he was going to have to leave there. But do you know, not long ago, they found oil on his place. And he's just doing fine now. I got a letter from him the other day. And he was telling me about a new house he had just bought over there. And he said, this house is the darndest thing you ever saw. He said, there's one room where you don't do nothing but just sleep in. And he said, there's another room just for, just for sitting around in and another room for eating and, and one for cooking. But he said the darndest thing is a little room down the hall. He, says it, he said it's all white on the inside, and he said there's a thing in one side of it where you can wash all over. And he said, he said then there's another place there just to wash your face and hands. But he said the darndest thing is a little thing over in the corner to wash your feet in. <laughs> He said, when we first moved here, the thing had two lids on it, but... <laughs> he said, we took them off, we didn't need them, and he says, uh, he said, Ma's using one of them for a biscuit board. <laughs> and he said, 
He said we framed Grandpa's picture. <laughs> Well, boys, that's about all. We wish you could entertain you boys the same way you're fighting for us 24 hours a day. But time marches on, and it looks like this particular half hour is just about filled. We're also glad to fill your request, fellows, for anything you want in the way of entertainment from home. Just tear off the top of a Stuka or a Mitsubi, then write and tell us what you want on your own show, Command Performance USA. Tonight's Command Performance has originated in Hollywood, where it sometimes rains, but where the sky is never so dark, but what the stars will come out for you. This is Jean Tierney saying, so long from over here. We hope we pleased you over there. Remember, this is your show, men. Let us know what you want. Address your letters to Command Performance USA in care of the station to which you are listening. You ask for it, we'll fill it. And remember, fellas, the Axis asked for it, too. We expect you to fill that one with lead. Thank you for joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.